The following podcast is a Simpronto Media production. She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And we have Dr. Elizabeth Sheravati. And she has this episode is going to be called the fertility episode because we are going to talk about how to get pregnant when you have tried literally everything and haven't been able to do it. So Dr. Elizabeth is the license, she's a licensed naturopathic doctor, and she has an amazing fertility program, and she's written an amazing book. And so welcome, Dr. Elizabeth. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, Chantel. Hi, everyone. So let's talk about, you know, when somebody really has tried everything, what are some of the first things? So let's, let's pretend like I came to you and I said, I've tried everything. I want to get pregnant. What would be some of the first things that you'd say, let's check this, let's check this, let's talk about this? That's such a great question, Chantal, because uh, I always share with clients over the past decade of working with couples and individuals on fertility. I've never, and my entire team, we've never met with a couple or a person first and foremost when they first come to our office um, who's had what we consider a complete assessment or evaluation of all the possible root causes of why they're having fertility challenges in the first place. And even couples who've been through multiple rounds of IVF um, that have not been successful and it's grueling and it's frustrating and it's devastating and we look at their kind of history of the labs and blood work that have been looked at and there's like always pieces missing from that investigative puzzle. So the first thing that we look at is we look at what has been evaluated for that person and then how can we fill in the blanks on what we understand to be the holistic um, or whole person, whole health Um, approach to fertility success because fertility ultimately is about health. It's not just about the mechanics of getting sperm and egg together. And if it were about that, then people would get pregnant every time and IVF would work every time the first time. And we know that's not the case. So we start filling in the blanks of health, so to speak. And some of the first things that we look at are levels of nutrients in the body and levels of inflammation in the body because the more nourished a person is, the healthier their cells will be, including eggs or sperm. And um, the less inflamed they are, the less damage is going to be done to those critical cells and tissues that for women create healthy eggs that are ovulated or retrieved during IVF cycle and the pregnancy environment. And for men, it's creating healthy sperm. Mm. Yeah. And it's funny because I've had people who have emailed me over and over again, where I have a good friend of mine that wasn't able to get pregnant. She tried everything. She did do intermittent fasting and she started, she was like, okay, I've tried everything else. Let me try that. And she ended up getting pregnant. And I've had different people email in that have said that, you know, they've been, able to be really successful with adding that 
that tool belt, you know, adding that tool into their tool belt. So I think it's a really kind of delicate dance between like, you know, your hormones and fasting and eating. So why don't we kind of break down a little bit about how to get your hormones right? Because I mean, don't you think that's probably the biggest piece of the puzzle is getting your hormones balanced? Yes. It's like a, it's like tuning an orchestra. So we, we want to have, you know, most people will have all the hormones. If you do a blood panel, they'll have testosterone, they'll have progesterone, they'll have estrogen, but are those hormones playing their roles at the optimal intensity at the correct timing of that beautiful symphony piece? So um, especially for women, because we have almost daily fluctuations and different ratios that are meant to be coming on board in reference to our cycles, whether we have, we're going with IVF or natural conception. Mm -hmm. So something like intermittent fasting could be a valuable tool, um, even from the, I mean, even if we look at the very specific perspective of insulin, because because intermittent fasting is going to give you that break in high glucose levels in the blood which means it's going to elicit that break in high insulin levels. And insulin is not only always a building hormone, so it promotes weight gain or tissue building, but it also can cause imbalances in the sex hormones that govern fertility for both men and women. And one of the things that happens, and this is clear in women with PCOS, for example, polycystic ovary syndrome, they tend to have a tendency for higher insulin levels, and that will raise sex hormone binding globulin, which is a protein that binds our sex hormones, testosterone, progesterone, et cetera, in our bloodstream. And um, uh, pardon me, uh, and it, and it, will, it will actually release that, let's say that's testosterone, so that women with PCOS will then have high levels of testosterone, which dampens egg development and, and ovulation. So it harms their or blocks their natural fertility. And we know that some of the genes that govern this physiology, like in PCOS, are probably ancestral protective genes that cause these individuals to retain any sort of minuscule amount of calories that they could find because they were in a very challenging time physiologically, like in in um, being nomadic or being at war or having sickness in the tribe. So these genes have been preserved, but they don't work well in what we call like the standard American diet or modern living with this plentiful and constant availability of carbohydrate foods or foods in general. Hey guys, one of the things that will take your weight loss to the next level is coaching. You can either work one-on-one with me or one of our certified private coaches. If you'd like, you can schedule your free call. It's a 10-minute strategy call just to see if coaching is going to really take you to the next level. The other thing is listening to the audiobook. Listening to the audiobook and getting the video course that I've done, people are seeing dramatic results. If you just listen to the audiobook 30 minutes a day over and over and over again and get the video course, go to ChantelRayway.com and check out the video course. You won't be sorry you did. Yeah, I feel like 
like you said, yeah, intermittent fasting helps with reducing inflammation, improving insulin sensitivity, mm-hmm. and getting yourself into a healthy body weight, which are all good for fertility, right? Right. And it it's kind of like you really need to make sure that, you know, you don't want to fast too long because that could, you know, shut down any, you know, your hormone flow and ovulation and not fasting long enough is not going to do much of anything. So I kind of say like, especially if you're trying to get pregnant, it's like, you know, you want your fasting like Goldilocks, like, you know, not too long, not mm-hmm. too short, you know, yeah. just, just right. Yeah. And that's where monitoring with some lab work, um, before you start and then midway through your process can help you fine tune because um, so other other factors that would would be valuable to know about that often aren't looked at with again with couples that have been through lots of fertility care are HbA1c the um, the marker of how you how you're managing bodies managing insulin and glucose over the three months prior to the test? inflammatory markers like high sensitivity CRP um, that corresponds to inflammation in the cardiovascular system, Um, lipid levels like uh, cholesterol. And when different types of cholesterol or fats that are in the blood come into a healthier balance, that also shows us that the body is in a less inflamed state. So these pieces of the puzzle, if you can see that happening over time, even if it's for a couple of months, that's a huge investment in literally transforming results with fertility because it takes three months to prepare for the ovary to prepare an egg to be ovulated or in the case of IVF retrieved at a cycle. And it takes three months to make sperm. So um, in in a season of time, couples can... Like, again, I've seen it over and over again clinically, and we have tons of studies now on how different measures that build in health and adjust that, that health on the physiologic level can optimize fertility success. Now, what about, let's talk about getting your periods regular. So how important is that? Let's just say someone says they're listening to this and they're like, I'm not ready to get pregnant yet, but I do want to just have regular periods. What are some things that they could do to get their periods more regular? And I will say this, I, my periods were never regular until I started doing intermittent fasting. So when I was before I was, my periods were all over the place. You just, it was like surprise, (laughs) you know, and now I'm very regular. Like every 28 days, I'm pretty much right on the money. That's wonderful. Uh, This is very valuable for females to have regular cycles. Um, And they don't need to be exactly 28, but Uh, if it's regular for you. So somewhere between 27 and 30 days is considered optimal. And, you know, well, going back to your experience where you had this irregular periods, that doesn't, first of all, that doesn't feel good for us because our bodies and brains functions just optimally when we're in uh, a good, healthy, self-regulated cycle. Because those hormones actually interact with how our brain works, which and interacts with how our nervous system works. So that relates to mood, clarity, performance, energy, and um, it becomes almost like a superpower when your cycle is on board because the hormones are so um, they're so supportive to optimizing how our brains, especially, work. 
-hmm. And even if you're not ready to get pregnant, uh, there's so many valuable points to having a regular cycle. And um, one of them is um, that every time we get these ovulatory cycles, we're getting the benefit of that hormone fluctuation on other aspect, other systems of our body. So regular ovulatory cycles reduce our risk for certain cancers. It enhances our bone density. Um, that's why women who don't have cycles um, are encouraged well, in a medical sense to have at least four ovulatory cycles a year. But we would like to have you know, quite a few more than that, maybe 12 or 13. But um, every time we get these hormonal fluctuations, it relieves tissues from excess hormone, hormone stimulation, especially certain types of estrogen. And it provides a progesterone protection on those estrogen sensitive tissues. And it, and it dampens down the effects of too much estrogen on a tissue. So most people are aware that too much of the wrong types of estrogen create a risk for cancers in women. And so we need that progesterone to come on board in the second half of our cycle to just um, soften down the effects of estrogen at its sensitive tissues. Yeah, so one thing I was going to say to you is, it's funny because yesterday, I actually just started my period yesterday and um, like yesterday afternoon and yesterday morning, I had such a bad headache. Like the, it seems like the day before my period, I got such a bad headache to the point that I, I get like a migraine headache and it only happens like once every four months, uh, like once a quarter, it seems like four times a year it happens. And I got this headache so bad yesterday that I literally had to go home early from work. And I was like, and I threw up, like I couldn't even make it home. I was, I threw up in the, in the car on the way home. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have, I have COVID-19. <laughs> you know? And then, yeah. and then I was like, no, I, yeah. and then I realized like later on that day, I ended up getting my period. And I realized like that was, but it's that bad that sometimes like the day before, it only happens like once, once a quarter, like I said, mm-hmm. but what, what's happening there that, someone's getting a migraine headache that bad the day before their period. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I'm not sure that we can actually say with a very definitive answer other than what I know it's very frustrating other than it's hormones. And I I hate that answer too. Um, But we know that hormones affect um, blood viscosity, like how, um, it's like a, like progesterone, for example, is a um, anticoagulant. So the blood is more like less likely to clot. Hormones cause dilation of blood vessels, which can lead to more congestion in the head. Um, there's interactions with hormones and hormones dropping right before your period. Your progesterone is now dropping um, in order to release the endometrial lining the, to create a flow. And um, that fluctuation can also change the, basically the, the pressure in the blood vessels um, to, to create that pain. And I, I know as a, as a fellow occasional migraine sufferer how awful it is. Um, and there's also interactions with our nervous system. So there's neurotransmitters like the, that are like, um, um, that are like serotonin. 
And so some drugs that are used to treat migraine are actually trying to boost essentially levels of serotonin activity in the blood vessels to control the level of congestion or dilation. So it's complicated. I wish I could give you a more definitive Yeah, the only thing that stands out to me is if I do natural progesterone cream. Well, that so. makes sense. Yeah, because again, at that stage of your cycle that you described um, right before the period starts, the progesterone is falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... But, but also the, the estrogen is falling too. That's but right. The estrogen and progesterone is... But I think that somehow even just taking the progesterone makes a big difference. Like all of a sudden it's like progesterone will help me more than like a Tylenol because I don't like to take any kind of Tylenol or anything like that. So, but if I did, it would, the progesterone would actually help me more. Yeah. And it's very interesting because the progesterone that you'd be taking is human identical. So it's the same molecule that your ovary produces. And so it doesn't have the same risk of side effects like a synthetic substance, like a acetaminophen. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you I'm offering a free weight loss virtual Bible study. Now is the perfect time to focus on understanding true hunger and fullness and learn what the Bible has to say about it. All you have to do is go to ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study. After you sign up, you'll receive a six week Bible study video that you can watch on your own, or you can get a small group of people and do it together. That's ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study for your free six week Bible study course. Now talk about the difference. Like if someone went on Amazon.com and they just typed in like progesterone cream, like natural progesterone cream versus someone going and getting it like formulated. Like, even though it says like, like if, if you go to Amazon, you can get like a bioidentical progesterone cream, you know, 3000 milligrams, you know, like a wild yam, one pump, um, yeah. you know, from Amazon, if you wanted to, how, yeah good are those versus you saying, no, you need to kind of call me and you'll maybe get with an actual lab to get it made. What's your opinion on that? Yeah. uh, My opinion is definitely buyer beware when you're buying something off Amazon and it's not a prescribed substance um, from your healthcare practitioner, whether that's a medical doctor who, who works with identical hormones or your naturopathic doctor who's prescribing and then having that compounded for you by a pharmacist who's literally regulated it and has training in compounding because not all of them, not all pharmacies do compounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but that way you're guaranteed that what the molecule is listed on the bottle is what's in the product and at that concentration. If you just purchase something that says natural progesterone cream, that could actually be a wild yam extract. Mm-hmm. Or it could be spiked with progesterone, or it could be spiked with anything, because that in that space it's not regulated. So you're you're in the U.S. I'm in Canada. In Canada, that is totally illegal. Mm. So anything that actually has progesterone in it is a prescription only substance, and only can be prescribed by practitioners with prescribing authority, and has to be dispensed by a pharmacy. And, um, now, is that something you're able to do? Are you able to do bioidentical hormones through a, 
Naturopathic doctors in Ontario, in, in our, where I practice, can write up um, an exam to be able to prescribe those, uh, a specific list of prescription-only substances, which includes progesterone. So, um, and, and those kind of functions are all state or province determined because states and provinces are, are regulating um, health practitioners in their jurisdiction and pharmacists too, and compounding pharmacies. So all of these three pieces of the puzzle are under very specific training and regulation. Whereas if you go on Amazon, you're like natural progesterone cream, again, wild DM is a herbal medicine that is used to help the body to naturally make more progesterone. Um, whether that can be effective in a dermal absorption, whether that um, product you purchase online actually contains wild yam or contains even progesterone is completely unknown. And, but in labs where bioidentical progesterone is made, it can be made from wild yam, but wild yam does not contain progesterone. Mm. Wild yam is a plant, does not contain progesterone, but it has building blocks that can be used to synthesize that for bioidentical medications. Awesome. So let's talk about your diet for just a second. I know you've written that book, IVF meal plan. Give us kind of a sneak peek into that. Like number one, like what's your favorite recipe that's in there? Maybe you'd share that with us. And number two, what is your, what's your diet looking like? Cause obviously a healthy diet can play a huge part in the reproductive success of fertility, right? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I love so many. I mean, I love them all. <laughs> um, and I worked with a Whole Foods chef and educator to develop them um, so that they would be really specifically fertility friendly and easy to make. I love our kale Caesar. I love our fish tacos. Um, I love our sorbet. Um, mm -hmm. We have taken to traditional comfort foods and made them into easy to prepare and fertility friendly versions. Um, so you're, you do, you feel good and you just feel comforted and um, nourished. Mm. Um, and so the book walks, uh, walks us through a little bit of a journey on, okay, what is it, what is building into fertility success really look like? So I talk about how, again, the sperm and the eggs are really on a three month journey. So let's nourish you all the way through. Let's look at what st research studies actually show about nutrition and fertility success. So the most studied um, and, and connected to fertility success in terms of a diet pattern is the Mediterranean diet. And the Mediterranean diet features um, a lot of... Um, a, a Which lot is of, my favorite food. Yeah. Food. yeah. I don't like to tell people this very often because they always look at me like... Because my dad is Iranian. And so... But my mom's American. And so... There, I like I was born. Yeah, I was born in Iran, but I moved here when I was four years old. But I don't really like to tell people that because obviously, like I'm like I'm a Christian. You know, I'm not this and that. You know, they always think you're a terrorist. So oh. I don't like to tell people that. But um, I am obsessed with Mediterranean food because that's mm. what my heritage is. So like we have a place called Kava. Do you guys have Kava there? 
a place like oh a, the restaurant kava have you ever heard of it no they have mediterranean food around here and it's so good you'll have to oh. try it but um that sounds wonderful i love it too i love all of those foods um and so we have we have mediterranean inspired recipes we have a uh, classic hummus we have grilled vegetables it's um we we have mediterranean inspired recipes within the book um, and of course it's delicious and it's flavorful and it's got lots of herbs and tons of flavor. Um, mm, I can't wait to get it. Will you give us this, will you give us one of the recipes? Will you tell us about sure. the Caesar salad dressing? Cause that sounds amazing. I'm always yeah. looking for, is that a really good one that you have? Yep. And that can be made, um, vegan or not. So okay. we show you a couple of variations on how to make that. Um, if you want, I can share that with you and we, you can send it off to your readers or, or you yeah, I'll put it in the listeners. show notes, email it to me sure. and I'll put it in the show notes to add sure. in there. Yeah. And <clears throat> I love kale. I find I need kale to have a, a good thick kind of almost soaking in of the dressing to make it a little bit more tender, a little less bitter. Um, you can use it with baby kale if you don't like the bitter netness of a more mature kale leaf. Um, all I love dinosaur kale. Yes, that's my I favorite. I love dinosaur kale and baby kale. Those are the, yeah. like the curly kale. I'll juice that. Um, oh, and yes. it's hard to get anything out of it because there's not that much water in it. Yeah. Um, or with the, with the curly kale, the only way to eat that in my opinion is to have half kale and half something else and you have yeah. to unrib it and you have to chop it in such, such small, small, yes fine, fine things. Otherwise it's not good. I, I visited Kenya a few years ago and it, it's really, um, they eat a lot of kale and collards mm -hmm. and they, they, they bunch it up and they slice it super fine, like a millimeter mm -hmm. of, and then they saute that with garlic or put it in stews or something. And I find that's nicer too with kale, especially that curly, mm -hmm. um, and, or kale needs to be massaged. And we have a we have a kale chips recipe too. Curly kale would work well for kale chips because it has just a little bit more thickness and bite to it. Yeah. Awesome. And kale is super rich in folate, which is, uh, you know, women are, are often told to take folic acid supplements. Folate is the form found in nature that the body actually needs. So foods rich in folate include, include green leafy vegetables. So that's why we've prioritized some of those in our meal plan. And what other kind of, what other kind of supplements do you recommend for people that are natural? Like you'd say, you know, when I, when I see different people, I see that they're low in selenium or they're low in this, or they're low in, this yeah. is kind of what they're low in if they're having trouble conceiving. Oh, that's a great question. I, I see quite a few correlations with low iron, low vitamin B12 and low vitamin D. Um, Low iodine is a risk for fetal development once, once you do conceive and thyroid health and thyroid health is really important for fertility too. So I would say those, those three are really important. We don't tend to test for important micronutrients that support egg quality, like omega-3 fish oil or um, omega-3s in the blood or, um, Coenzyme Q10, for example, in the blood, won't tend to tend to do the testing, but if if it looks like from her clinical picture that she has an egg quality um, concern, then then we will add in some of those micronutrients as well to an individual's plan. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Oh, they can find me on Instagram, Elizabeth.Sharavati, and on Facebook, Dr. Sharavati ND. And my website is uh, associated with my practice, which is tworivershealth.ca. Um, and I would love to connect and hear your questions and um, feel free to send a DM or a PM or, um, or book in a call. We, we do conception confidence calls for women and couples who are looking for more answers and to see if it's a fit to do work together in this sort of direction. Awesome. And you guys stay tuned. We have another episode coming up in just a minute. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.